0: Well, good afternoon, friends, and welcome to the podcast here at St. Andrew's Community Church. We are a global Methodist congregation, and it is a beautiful day outside. It is really my yes, hope that you're not watching; you're listening while you're or outside may- enjoying maybe the sunshine, sitting
1: on the back patio, drinking some coffee, that, and that, watching on their laptop, drinking
0: some iced tea because you know it's warm. This is, it was well, coffee in the morning. But I don't
1: drink coffee or
0: tea, so yeah, you're like my wife in that regard. She <laughs> doesn't either, but hey, I have some coffee, and I'm sure. The third man with us today, Jeff, you got your coffee going over there? Yeah. Always, always. <laughs>
1: He's always got a pot of coffee somewhere. Going. He
0: does. I'm glad you said pot of coffee to make sure that nobody <laughs> thought he was smoking a little hippie lettuce out in the background. So some of you, you, you regulars may be wondering where Pastor Bonnie is today. She had a family situation that called for her attention, and we said, hey, we got it covered today, but we are continuing the series. I think this is the 10th one yeah, for this the Apostles' Sunday Creed. Yeah,
1: Sunday is 11th, and then the Sunday after that is the 12th and final week before we dive into Advent. But been such a helpful
0: series. The the comments that people make after worship, the comments that uh, we get online, uh, I think this has been very helpful for people. It's been very helpful for me. Um, One of the, the statements that I started off with on Sunday was one that Timothy Tennant writes in the book, This We Believe. Josh has it. Here, right, yeah. uh, well, before we get there, I interrupt myself. Oh yeah, you well, we we you must, jumped ahead, man. We we
1: must the bobblehead comment of the week. on the
0: bobblehead of the week.
1: Bobblehead of the week. This week we've got John Wesley because we're continuing to talk about the communion of saints. Right. Um, as we wrap that up before we head into forgiveness of sins for this next Sunday, and so figured, uh, you know, last week we had my we had the Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, maybe they're saints. I don't know, but uh, John Wesley, I think we would all agree probably would if if uh, you know. I don't think he was sainted, but um, right. That, that that's actually something we're going to talk right. about a little later. Right. But
0: you know, one of the things I'm saying here that's a that bobblehead is bigger than other bobbleheads. But also it might be, it might be very the, close to life size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might of, be his actual of Wesley. Height. Wesley
1: was not he a was very a wee
0: little man. Large uh, <laughs> physically statured man. He was a spiritual giant, though. So yeah. uh so anyway. yeah, we
1: got John Wesley joining us in our conversation today. Next week, it's a surprise. So Bonnie next and I week. won't be here. We're gonna be on vacation next week. So DA and Paige will be discussing um, and uh, they've got a special a special, a special bobblehead, bobblehead next week just for Thanksgiving, yes, and to honor Da. So there we go. He's already well, got it ready to to come for a little, next week. Little tease for next yeah, week. I yeah. love
0: that. Well, let's let's dive in, and I don't necessarily want to recap things, but again, the the book this we believe Timothy 10th, that the chapters are so short, but there is a lot of meat on that, and the thing that he writes, I think it's on page fifty nine. He says. When we say we believe in the church, it is the same as saying we believe in Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. That was mind-blowing for me. I I had never thought of that, but to say, here's all these statements about the triune God that we're making. I'm like you. I thought we kind of cheated the Holy Spirit a little bit. Right, right. but to say we believe in the church, I had to stop and think through that. I mean, what was some of your reaction yeah, on believing in the church? I
1: don't know that we necessarily always think about believing in the church at the same level that we do all these giant theological statements right. that we're making. Um, but I think part of it, and what he points out in the chapter, is it's. Be, it's I think partly it's because we don't necessarily um, see... A lot of times when we think of the church, and you hit it on this Sunday, we're thinking about our church, a congregation, yeah, yeah, and, or,
0: or or maybe just a denomination.
1: Right. But but the church, the body of Christ, is God's plan to fulfill His mission in the world. Right. Um. And and when you think about it in those terms, we absolutely it, it's it was birthed by the Holy Spirit. It is God's plan. It's God's uh, plan to, to take His name to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we absolutely should believe in it the way that we do um, the other statements within the Creed. And, and I think
0: one of the reasons it struck me as just being so key to what we're doing is because there are so many people today that don't believe in the church and i'm not you know again i said it in the sermon not just people outside the church but people who have been a part of the church they've been active in church probably been leaders in the church and something happens and they're done with it
1: right they well, just no longer believe in and it. there's the mindset too of i can be a believer i can follow jesus and i don't need the church i don't need others and when i think about that I think about it in in this, I use this analogy, if, you know, you and I are friends, we're right. co-workers, yeah. you're my boss, um, I, I think that our relationship has grown in the year plus that I, I've been here. I would here. hope so, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I think it would drive a wedge between us if one day I said, you know, DA, you are a great guy, I love working with you, you're a great boss, I'm not a big fan of your wife. Yeah, that, that, would,
0: that would be a significant problem. That would be an issue <laughs>
1: bet- in our relationship. Right. And when we are saying that, oh, I love Jesus, I love God, but I don't want anything to do with the church, that's the bride of Christ. Right. We're saying, Jesus, we love you, but we don't want anything to do with your wife. We don't want anything to do with the bride of Christ. Right. And that we cannot fully love God when we're not fully loving one another, when we're not loving the church, when we're not following Jesus with others, mm-hmm. something's missing. So, um, and, yeah. and so it, it, it does impact our relationship with God when we try to remove the church from that.
0: So I think that's a great analogy because even when you're talking about it, I'm like, yeah, because the church is a bride of Christ and Christ is trying to purify and make holy yeah. his bride. And, and that's what a church ought to be doing, uh, through relationships, through discipleship, through mission, through worship that that we are conforming more to the image of Christ. And, and I'll
1: say on a side note, I absolutely love Robin. She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I got no problem See, with Robin I, at all. She's I, amazing. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Solves it, we're good.
0: <laughs> so, but um, when we talk about creation, one of the things that we try to do is we try to be good stewards of the earth. That's why we don't litter. That's Thank why we don't you know, just go around doing harm to nature because God created it. God created the church. You know, yeah. as you said, the Holy Spirit birthed it, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit's poured out on all flesh, it, it is it is God's church. The church, as we want to communicate it from the creed, is all God's people, wherever they are, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. And part of what I talked about was some of my experiences in worshiping in places with fellow believers that is completely different from what we do here yeah. at St. Andrews. Have you ever had an experience where uh, you, you experienced a church and, and it might not have been worship. It may have been a mission trip. It may have been uh you know, we've we've had a guy two times that we've done planning days at Panera, comes up and interrupts us and wishes <laughs> us Merry Christmas. Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> Even in July. <laughs> yeah.
0: So ha- have you had experiences in the church that, that you're like, wow, yeah, what God has done with the church is so much bigger and so much greater than what I think? Yeah,
1: every mission trip I've ever been on, I've probably been on 30 or 40 mission trips, and every single one of them um, in one way or another, um some of them are in culture similar to ours some of them are you know i've been to belize and guatemala and mexico and cultures that are completely different mm-hmm. and to hear worship in a different tongue and to hear the word of God preached in a different tongue and have an interpreter there. And, uh, even in my time at the Wesley experiencing that having fuchsia there with the international right, the Chinese ministry, ministry, um, is just incredible. It's such a, it's, it's a foretaste of heaven is what it is because we know revelation says that every tongue tribe and nation, right. um, will sing. Holy, holy is the Lord almighty. And, uh, and so when we get to experience that on earth, it's a foretaste of, of what's to come. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, yeah, uh, I have tons of memories from mission trips where that has taken place. And even at camps and, and on retreats, was just at a retreat this weekend with our students. And that takes place in those settings as well, where it's not right. your normal Sunday morning sanctuary, uh, but uh, God shows up in powerful ways in the church.
0: One of the things that uh, when when I was in Ada at the campus ministry, it was an ecumenical ministry. We were supported by about five different denominational congregations there in Ada. And I remember the first time I went to the Episcopal Church. I'd never been to an Episcopal Church before. It was small. It was gorgeous, you know, just really beautiful. Uh, Different for me because I knew they— they use real wine for communion. I had never had real wine before. And it is it is very structured liturgy that you're following week after week after week. And I just remembered being in love with that, thinking, gosh, I truly love that. It. it is not the fabric I'm cut out of. Right. Uh, and, and I would tell people, I absolutely love it. I think it's great. I don't know that I could do it every Sunday. I would struggle for sure, you but know, that's just because of how I'm wired. and Right. And you know, then then you go to the disciples church and people didn't come forward to take communion. They passed, passed the trays it. down yeah. the rows. You just stayed in your seat and it was an every Sunday thing. And then you would yeah, go I, to- I
1: remember I grew up in a, a, a church similar to that and you um, get the trays passed down, and you take that little mini miniature shot. cup. That's what I yeah. call
0: it. Chicklets and mini shots. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 it was. it's what it was. It was a little chicklet <laughs> and, and a, a miniature cup. And let me just tell you, the uh, intinction with the Hawaiian bread – Uh, yeah it's not any more holy or spiritual but
0: it sure tastes better yeah and and i want you to know that uh there were some people that said they could not take communion sunday because we did not have king's hawaiian bread but they
1: they submitted to (laughs) italian bread (laughs) well let me just say we've got a lot of bread ready for all of our christmas stuff that's coming up for all the communion services and stuff uh we've got Hawaiian bread, ready to to go.
0: It it is good to go. You know, and one of the funny things was uh, the bread that we had, we froze because I'd bought it for the week before. uh, And I had Tiara get it out Friday before she left to put in my office. And the first loaf I broke, I said, "Man, that is still cold." <laughs> so I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> you know, Jeff, did we have a climate control problem? No, nothing in the building, no floods, no frost warnings oh, or anything. Gosh. This is like about that, that
1: time. We're coming up on our one-year anniversary of, of the, the flood. Dreaded
0: phone call. Oh man! So today's what the fourteenth, yeah, and that we're, was the we like two weeks away. Or yeah, so. yeah. Oh, okay. But moving on. <laughs> One of the things that we also looked at is, you know, believe in the holy universal church. The church is holy. It is set apart, set apart for God's work. It is universal. People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And then we go on to the communion of the saints. And I find this to be an interesting kind of thing for us to profess in a sense because when we think of saints, we think of St. Peter, St. Paul, St. Andrew. right? uh, And Methodist churches— Have saint churches, but we're not saints, we're not a saint people. We don't canonize when I think about it's not
1: Saint John, right? It's not Saint John, it's just good old brother John Wesley. I grew
0: up at Saint John's, but it was John the Apostle, not not John the Wesley. (laughs) So, when
1: I think about this line of the Apostles' Creed, the word that comes to my mind is stewardship. We are stewards of the church that is passed down to us, and it's been passed down generation after generation. This faith is passed down generation after generation, and there are some incredibly godly people in in our history, uh, some of our immediate history people that I've known that have passed and, mm-hmm. and long before that, and they've handed a faith down to us, and we're called to be stewards of that so that we can then hand that on to the next generation. Yeah. Um, and so stewardship is a word that comes to my mind when I think about this and I think about the sacrifice that so many before us have made um, and the uh, just all the things that people before us have made and done to, to for us to have the faith in the church that we have today.
0: One, one of the definitions of saints that I have always loved was one I heard actually in a children's sermon when we were living in Ada. And of course, uh, Sunday I showed the the picture in worship of First Methodist Ada, just a, a beautiful Gothic cathedral, lots of stained glass and a guy was doing the children's sermon for All Saints Sunday, and he was talking to them about saints. And the the story he used was of somebody saying, do you know who saints are, asking children that question, and they talked about the stained glass in whatever church that was, and the response was, what's well, a saint? And the kid said, well, a saint is, a, is that person the light shines through. Ooh. I, I just have always That's loved powerful. that story because uh, in, in that sense, and and we don't like to think of this, but when we read the New Testament, it was very clear. When we talk about the saints, it's not just those who are dead. Yeah, it it's us right. that we're saints. You know, if if you want a dichotomy, saints or sinners. Well, we're saints that are being redeemed yeah. from from our sin, um, and so it, it again, it, it's kind of. My the, the whole thing just thinking through this was mind blowing for me. That I can I can point to John Wesley and say his writing, his sermons, his life, it influences who we are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that both in in how we understand God's grace in yeah. terms of how we operate as a church, a lot of that comes down from stuff John Wesley did. And think think about this, Josh. Think about this, Jeff. That someday. There's going to be somebody, and when they're thinking about the church, they're going to think about us. Yeah. Um, we're certainly not on the, the level of a John Wesley or a Francis Asbury, not even a nowhere close to being a Billy Graham. Uh, but, you know, I, I certainly hope my kids grow up seeing that way, that, you know, my, my dad taught me this, and uh, hopefully I got it right. Yeah. <laughs> so when we talk about the, the church and the communion of saints— it's very big. What is something, um, you know, having said that, from, from your life and your ministry, what is something you would want people to learn and remember
1: about following Jesus? Uh, I, for me, it gets back to being intentional. Uh, one thing that I want to constantly drive home is in following Jesus, we have to be intentional because it doesn't happen by accident. Kind of um, like losing
0: weight and exercising. Right.
1: Yeah, it doesn't happen by accident. Um when we are not intentional, we drift. We drift mm-hmm. away from the faith. We drift away from Jesus. We drift away from our foundational beliefs. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, from my perspective, and I know lots of people wouldn't agree with me, um, I think what we saw in the United Methodist Church was a drifting. I think we drifted away from some of those things. Um, others would disagree with me. It's right. all perspective. Uh, but that's why—that's why we now, need to separate. Yeah, that's why yeah. we're now a part of a new denomination, the Global Methodist Church. Um, I think when we're not intentional about the Apostles' Creed and those statements and our our core foundational Mm -hmm. beliefs, uh, if if we're not intentional about studying God's Word, if we're not intentional about prayer, if we're not intentional about those things, then over time we drift away from Jesus. We Mm -hmm. don't grow closer to Jesus. So, so In all of my ministry, that's always been a common theme is be intentional. Put processes and things in place so that people— can um, follow Jesus more closely.
0: And and this is great because a lot of your ministry before coming to St. Andrews really was with younger generations. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you started at, at First Church and then went to St. Mark's doing youth ministry, uh, they're now adults. Yeah. They're, they've got their own children. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're still stuck in—they're not Peter Pan. They're not forever right. and, children. And one of
1: the things that I'm most proud about when I think back on my 20 years of ministry is the number of— um, students that I got the privilege to lead as a youth pastor that are in ministry today. Mm-hmm. That is one of the things that is, it's the coolest thing about ministry that, that, when I think about it, I was just spent the weekend, the, the youth pastor at new covenant is one of my kids from St. Mark's. Wow. Um, and to see him leading the way he, he's 27 years old now to see him leading his church and his students at the retreat and at the camps that we go to just makes me so proud. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know I've got a dozen students like that that are serving at Asbury and New Covenant and and all over mm-hmm. that just um, it makes me so proud when I think about my twenty years of ministry. That's the thing that I'm most proud of. And
0: and and I love the idea of intentionality because one of the things I did not put this in the sermon and I wrestled with it a lot is the the need to overcome a cultural. I don't want to call it a mythology, a cultural reality, I guess, is, you know, as you mentioned earlier, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And to believe in the church, it's his church. He made it. Right. He made it for us to participate in. But when people say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not Christian. And, or I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. Right. I don't think that fits the paradigm that Scripture because it's
1: it's all christianity is all relationship it's a relationship with one another obviously it's a relationship with jesus when you remove the relational element out of it it just becomes about rules and legalistic stuff and and and, checking off boxes yeah and and you know watch it i I went
0: to church check
1: one of my favorite things to to look at is there's never a time in the history of the church where there was only one follower of jesus yeah He's walking (laughs) along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he calls out to Peter and Andrew, Mm -hmm. drop your nets and come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. Right. It was those two, and then it grew from there to where we are today. So there was never a moment where there was only a single follower of Jesus. And I think that that has to be a core value of anyone who follows Jesus, is to recognize that we cannot do this alone, that we were not created to follow Jesus alone, that um, while, yes, we take personal responsibility and we have – personal decisions we make in reading scripture and those types of things, it all has to happen in the context of relationship and community. And the church is that community that God has created for us for that to happen.
0: So here's something about the church that occurs. Because, again, I'm I'm looking at this saying, yeah, it's about relationships, and it's about intention. You don't grow in your faith. You don't become a more spiritually strong, spiritually mature person by osmosis. I mean, you, you have to invest in it. Um, but the relationships become key because again, we, we work together. We're friends. We go to lunch together. Um, but if I see something in your life, that's not right, I need to be able to talk to you about that. If you see something in my life that you're like, DA, you're, you're going down a slippery slope. We don't like that. Right. We, we, we want to feel good about it. But part of being in the church is people that love us enough to compassionately and humbly and lovingly say, "You're going the wrong direction on this." Yeah,
1: and and I think it's so important that we have people around us that can speak into our life, who care more about us than um, the friendship. Right. And, and what I mean by that is, if, I, I knew where you were going. Yeah. I
0: was struggling with the same idea. So,
1: and, and I I heard this story once when Bonnie and I were young, and. and Early in our marriage, uh, there was a couple that we looked up to, and they shared a story with us about a, a couple that they knew that, um, that were on their way to, to divorce. They were getting a divorce. Um, and and um, as that happened, a lot of their friends were like, yeah, we kind of saw that coming because of this or this or that. And that couple that was getting a v- divorce was so upset that none of their friends, in a fear of upsetting them or making them mad at them or not wanting to be friends with them anymore, none of them stepped up and said, man, you're doing this right now. And it's, it's to the detriment of your, your, Mm -hmm. your marriage. Um, And I think that's, we need those people around us that can speak into our life and say, Josh, like, I don't want to make you mad. I still want to be your friend. I love you, but this is not a healthy, helpful thing. Right. Rather than saying, well, I don't want to make Josh mad, so I'm not going to say anything. We just didn't say anything because I still want to be his friend. And if I tell him this, then he may not want to be my friend anymore. Right. I want people that are like, you know, no, we'll get through this, but you've got to stop this. Like that, that we need that accountability in our lives. Right. And
0: and those conversations are never easy. No, they are uh, hard. And on either side, it's
1: not easy to speak into someone's life right. that way. Um, but and it's not it's not easy to receive it.
0: Right. So I think that's a good segue because we we are saints. We're part of the church. We still have struggles. Yeah, we definitely sin. And so the the next uh, line of the creed that we're going to be looking at this Sunday is uh, the forgiveness of sins. I, I remember, gosh, I don't even remember how many years ago it was. Several years ago, I had two weeks between the end of a sermon series and like the start of Lent or the start of Advent. I don't remember what it was. And so I thought, I'm going to preach on forgiveness these next two weeks. People coming up, Wow. We really needed to hear that. We need to hear more about this. And, and I didn't get the sense that it was, I need you to remind me that Jesus forgives my sin. Right. I think it was, I need to forgive people, and I don't know how to do that. So well, I
1: think the biggest struggle, at least with those that I've talked to, and we had a great conversation with the juniors and seniors and small group one night at our retreat this weekend about forgiveness specifically— um, I think that there is uh, a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear the line, forgive and forget.
0: I was going to say, d- did somebody talk and another student said, man, you just got to forgive and forget. Yeah, so is that, that, is that did,
1: even a biblical concept? Yeah, that didn't happen, but that question came up. And, um, you know, clearly in the definition of love in First Corinthians, it says love keeps, keeps no, no record, record of, of wrongs. wrongs. Yeah. Um, and, With regards to God dealing with our sin, there is forgiveness, and God removes it and forgets it. Um, But forgiveness, from my perspective, forgiveness is not forgetting something. Forgiveness is how we remember it. Forgiveness is Hmm. not saying something is okay. And I tell my kids all the time, Eli and Addie, I tell them all the time, um, you know, we're constantly working with them on if you've done something wrong, you need to ask for forgiveness. Right. If 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 you're having to go to your brother or sister to ask for forgiveness, their response should not be it's okay because forgiveness is not saying it's okay. Forgiveness right. is saying what happened is not okay, but I'm no longer going to hold this over you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to let this go. Um, but sometimes forgiveness, uh, you know, in the forgetting part, it's how we remember it. If someone has hurt us so badly. Sometimes part of forgiveness is having healthy boundaries in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. It doesn't yeah. mean, forgiveness doesn't mean, or I'm just going to forget it and I'm just going to go right back into allowing you to hurt me in that way again, it which, means which is what we
0: see boundaries. in a abusive yeah. relationships. Well, he just hits me when uh, he's drunk. Right. You know, it, it's really interesting because I know in Psalms it says that God. You know moves our sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers it no more which is yep. i think where people get the idea of forgive and forget but one of the things that really challenged me is what you were talking about earlier the example i heard was you know if if i was a jew living in germany in world war ii should i forgive the germans for you know what they did the answer is if you follow jesus yes you sh- you should don't ever forget that, right? You know, you, yeah. Uh, I, I, I forgive you for what you have done, but
1: I've got to have a boundary that says this can never happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And and part of how this conversation came up with the students this weekend was the theme this weekend was higher love. So we talked about love all weekend long. We talked about how God's love for us isn't transactional. Um, this, this incredible image that, that Heather shared with us on the opening night was Jesus's love was when he stands in the gap between our mistakes and total destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, isn't there judging us or pointing fingers, but is there to save us. right? Um, and it's not transactional and that God meets us where we are. And so we've been, we talked a lot about love. And then obviously that translates into our responses to love God and to love others. Mm-hmm. And so when talking about loving others... This idea of forgiveness came up, and um, we can't fully love someone if we're continuing to hold something over their head. Right, if we're not forgiving them. Uh, but then, where I took it even more is, yes, forgiveness is absolutely loving someone well, um, but forgiveness is also loving ourselves well mm-hmm. because forgiveness. When we are unforgiving, when we hold on to something, it's a it's a seed of bitterness that stays in us, and we're making ourselves the victim over and over and over. We think by not forgiving that we're hurting them and we're getting them back, Um, and while maybe partly we are, we're hurting ourselves more Mm -hmm. than anything. Um, And so forgiveness is loving others, but also when we forgive others, it's allowing our us to love ourselves well, to do do away with that bitterness. And it's not just a one-time decision like, okay, I forgive you for doing that and I move on just like anything. It's a daily decision, especially with the really big terrible things that can happen Mm -hmm. in life daily. We have to decide I'm going to forgive. I'm going to forgive. Because if not, we can easily grab that forgiveness right back, especially on the really hard things. The simple things, okay, you can let it go. But the really hard things that a lot of people deal with in life Forgiveness is super hard and we have to be intentional about making that decision. Every morning we wake up, I'm going to forgive.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of us probably wrestle with the struggle between, well, have I forgiven you in my head and my heart? You know, I I know I'm supposed to forgive you. Okay. You, You have apologized. You have repented. You've tried to make this wrong. I forgive you. But it's like sometimes, you know, when Robin and I have, we may have said something and it's in the heat of a, an argument and, and you really say it to hurt somebody yeah and as soon as you say it you know you're wrong and the response is I'm sorry I did not mean that but I know that hurt yeah and while you may forgive me the hurt hasn't gone away yet I, yeah I, I, there's I still consequences
1: um, even in forgiveness even in reconciliation there's still consequences to the things that we do and say even by accident there even though forgiveness may be there there may be some long-term consequences as a result of of whatever that act is
0: and somehow if people confess their sin forgiveness becomes easier it's yeah. when somebody wounds us and they never apologize right. we still got to forgive right but it's easier or,
1: or if it's someone who they refused. They they don't see they did any yeah. wrong. Or they wronged us, and now they've passed away. And reconciliation yeah. isn't even possible in those situations. Forgiveness can still be possible in those situations, even though the relationship can't be reconciled.
0: Yeah. I've I've heard people say, well, I accept your apology and accept in such a way that it just dumps it all back on right, you and right. hurts you. So, we're, we're out of time. Thank you all for joining us today. Josh, you got any words about what's coming up? Thanksgiving's next week. Yeah, You're actually going to take some time week. off. And... Yeah,
1: Bonnie and I will be off all next week. Kids are out of school. So, uh, we're going to have a, a great, relaxing week. Um, we've got Advent right around the corner. This Sunday, we're going to have Advent booklets. Right. Uh, so, we're wrapping up. This, we believe, is an all-church uh, reading and study that's um, been a part of this sermon series. And we've got another booklet that we've produced in-house in conjunction with a lot of the things that the Bible Project um, has. And uh, so the Advent booklets are going to be available to pick up starting this Sunday. Uh, it'll be daily readings throughout Advent to go along with our four-week sermon series of Advent. Um, and, uh, and so those will be available. The first day of reading is November 27th. Okay. And uh, really excited about that and just continuing to provide opportunities for the congregation to read and study and pray and learn together right. as, a, as the body of Christ. right?
0: And that starts the 27th, December 3rd, actually the first Sunday of Advent and
1: I'm just gonna say you don't want to miss
0: church. No, day. it's
1: gonna it'll be Christmas attire Sunday. So Oh, is come, that okay,
0: that's good. I was gonna do that the tenth.
1: Come have fun, <laughs> wear your Christmas attire. It can but be good looking attire. But it's a Sunday Christmas you attire. won't want to miss. There's something incredibly special that we have planned. We're keeping it a surprise. Uh, but just come ready to yeah. have a blast during church and immediately after church. It's gonna be a great morning.
0: So, friends, so thankful that we have opportunity to talk about faith and things that are important to us, and we always hope it's helping you to grow as disciples. Again, we would love for you to submit your questions because we'd rather answer your questions and tell you ours. Uh, but thanks for tuning in today, or if you're tuning in uh, later in the week, thanks so much for taking out the time to do this. God bless. Uh, I hope we see you on Sunday.